Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. How's it going? We're back already. We are back. <laughs> yeah, it, I was I was thinking of like what a quick turnaround this felt like. And I was like, oh, wait, it's because we did the Microsoft thing last week. So we did record on Friday and it's only Tuesday. So it was only a couple of days ago peek behind the curtain guys mm-hmm. that I got to talk to Ryan so <laughs> makes more sense but at first I was like man I feel like I just did this we deja did. vu almost <laughs> yeah well I mean I don't know if how you're feeling like three days post Microsoft event but uh, I feel like it's all calmed down again in terms of next gen sort of discussion so it's almost like yeah we're back to normal the- the only discussion that I really saw happening in the last couple of days were um, basically some people asking some questions about some of the stuff that we covered last week in terms of uh, a lot of the games that were announced had basically um, Xbox Series X splashed all over them. And in spite of promises made by Microsoft, the company, and kind of like doing a little bit of news off the top, more of like an update from last time. Uh, but yeah, like the basically the promises from the company have been for the first couple of years of the Xbox Series X, we're not going to force an update. You can continue like you can play our first party titles across Xbox One and Xbox Series X. But then in their actual uh, like presentations and stuff, the Xbox One logo was kind of nowhere to be found. It was all coming soon on Series X type thing. So some people started to ask the questions and then we got some kind of concerning PR like marketing kind of speak around it that never really answered everyone's questions, which then in turn made people ask more questions because basically it sounds like the promises of not having to upgrade are in terms of like um, being supported on Xbox One are maybe not going to last as long as uh, originally thought. So the original kind of wording and promising, and I say original, it was, you know, kind of in the weeks leading up to the presentation. So not even all that long ago, mm-hmm. the the wording very much was for two-ish years, we're going to support all of these new titles on the Xbox One, which then made people say like, okay, but for Fable, for example... You didn't say anything about Xbox One. Does that mean Fable is three years out or does that mean it's sooner and you're not supporting it? And they danced around it so much, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it was when the discussions were happening in Discord. And I think the most frustrating part after sort of working my way around the issue was basically this is this is a this is taking a strength that Microsoft had. And it's turning it into a confusion point that then Sony can point to and be like, see, this is why generational leaps work. It's because it's very clear. You give us the money, we give you the box, you play the new games. It's a simple transaction. And I mean, Microsoft got into trouble last generation with their marketing points and not lining up with the way gamers expect to play games. And I think this generation was very different in that Microsoft was like, no, we just want to give you more options to to play your games. Of course, we want you to play on the Xbox Series X. That's our preferred box uh, for you to yeah, play on. Yeah, that's what we're developing for first mm-hmm. and foremost is kind of the the marketing messaging that went out after the press conference. It was very much like 
that's our next gen. That's what we're developing for. But they stopped short of saying, but don't worry, mm -hmm. it will be available on the Xbox One as well, which is the the kind of like pain point with a lot of people because they're saying, look, all you have to do is come out and tell me I can play XYZ game on Xbox One and I'll be happy because that's what you're messaging before you started telling me all the titles. That's what you were telling me is that I'd be able to play these games on either platform. And you can say that you're developing for your newest hotness of technology as much as you want. But what I want to know is, are you still intending to deliver on that promise that, you know, if I get the new hotness, great. But if I don't, I'm still going to have access to the games. Like, just confirm that to me with these specific titles in mind. And that confirmation never came. Mm -hmm. So people then are now like worrying about what is actually going to be cross-platform. And at first, I was thinking that because these things are getting PC support as well, that that's what Microsoft maybe saw as bridging the gap and saying, like, look, you don't have to buy the Series X right away. You can play these things on your PC and that would help that two year time gap sort of thing. But a lot of the stuff from before the press conference very, very specifically mentioned the Xbox One and not PC as, you know, helping to bridge that gap between generations. So the fact that they're now not talking about the Xbox One, I do think is is quite worrisome and, and very telling and, and a little bit unfortunate because that was one of the things that I was the most stoked on. I mean, I wasn't really I was wasn't really in the camp of like I need to get a Series X day one because I was thinking that my existing Xbox one though it struggles mm -hmm. <laughs> and at least my PC could help me you know put off that purchase by a year or two until it gets to the point where I'm like yes I really want this super awesome system like I might have even tried to push it to a 0.5 depending on when Fable came out because we we all know I talked about it last week yeah Fable is my title that will sell me an Xbox system yeah I think uh I think when you look at this whole what right is what's happening right now is that Microsoft hopefully is crafting a response because I think what, what we've heard so far really tells me that they're not far enough in along in development of fable uh, everwild a lot a majority of the games that were shown to safely confirm an xbox one release because that's when you run into trouble of saying this is coming to xbox one and then you have people saying okay perfect it's coming to xbox one i'm still planning to keep my xbox one and i'll get an xbox series x when i have to uh people like those games not you know confirming xbox one support it creates this this concern of consumers who who start planning based on it being available for that for that older generation but in this sense like well it's basically like a soft release date right because if you say this game fable will have xbox one support before you actually come out and say yes we're going to release in 2021 or 22 mm -hmm. or 23 or whatever then you're basically giving it a soft release date of holiday 2022 or sooner because if they're going to support on Xbox One for two years, that puts us to holiday 2022. So anything coming out in holiday 2022 then would be supported by the Xbox One. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they will stop that Xbox One support. So you're kind of giving a soft release date to a lot of these titles that maybe aren't at that stage of development yet. So I can kind of understand it from that perspective. But the big problem here is just transparency and communication, because mm -hmm. if if Microsoft had just come out and said, look, 
we don't want to commit to a two-year window for this Fable title because we've only just started it or blah, 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 whatever. We don't want to tie ourselves down. We want to essentially take the old school Blizzard approach and say, it's ready when it's ready. You'll get it when you get it. And we don't want to commit to Xbox One because that means we're committing to a holiday 2022 deadline. Mm -hmm. Then everyone would be fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> but I think... the fact that they're being cagey about it makes people then call into question things that have 2021 and 2022 release dates already confirmed as being like, well, will this get support? Will this not get support? Like, what the heck is going on here? When I think all it is, is them just not necessarily wanting to commit Mm -hmm. to those soft release dates on the bigger titles because of just development time and delays that happen we've seen countless times now this year well even even to com compromise their their creative vision in in aiming at not only lower tier hardware but also hardware that doesn't have the same functionality uh as the hard drive that's gonna or the solid state drive that's gonna be in the xbox series x uh we that's have so a, true right because if you're saying like so it, it, I'm just using Fable as an example because mm -hmm. that is the, good example. you know, yeah, the one that we it's the one that we kind of figure of everything we talked about last week. It's the furthest out. It looks the least finished. It's a very mm -hmm. teaser state right now. So to me, like if I'm developing Fable, if I announce right now that it will come out before holiday 2022 and with Xbox One support, it's like. Already, we've got a, a closer deadline, a deadline, but also one where we are not only going to be developing for the Series X, but also we're going to have to develop for the Xbox One. And maybe at this point in Fable's development cycle, they just can't make that commitment. And I would rather them not work on Xbox One compatibility and just make the best Fable game they can make if that means a 2023 release date. Like, just do what you got to do, and I'm cool with you not committing to Xbox One support if that's not actually feasible. But then don't start your presentation by saying, like, everything you see here, Game Pass, Xbox One implied, blah, 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 whatever. You know, like, just, just be a little bit more clear about what your goals are and what you're aiming for with your, with your games and your software to your consumers, because... The cagier you are and the more marketing speak and buzzwords you give us, then the less likely we are to trust you with our dollars. Yeah. Well, I think the core issue here is that Phil Spencer, when he came out saying, you know, we would continue to release our first party titles on Xbox One for the next two years, uh, is it's just I think that was too strong a statement. And at the time, all it really got them was, you know, bonus points, you know, in terms of look at pro consumer Microsoft. They're finally doing something for, you know, everyone. Right, and but then they didn't actually do it. <laughs> no. And, and I, and I agree. Or they and potentially I think, won't, you know, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's the core issue is that they threw that, that point out there. And maybe at the time it was, it was, uh, it was something they were planning to do, but throwing that out there created this situation where all you're doing is, is trying to collect goodwill when really that announcement is just basically saying like, we're not convincing anyone to buy, an xbox series x with this statement we're really just convincing folks to hold on to their xbox ones because they're already shuttering production for the xbox one the xbox one x has been discontinued you're not going to be able to buy it um unless it's unless you find it on store sales like i i, I believe they they had even confirmed that the cyberpunk 2077 system was like the last one they were they were pushing mm -hmm. off the shelf now you can probably go get an xbox one 
in a used market or even new at a store. Like they're still out there, but they're not, they're shifting. But they're no longer actively producing. Yeah, they're Hmm. using their factories now to make the Series X, which makes sense, right? So, I mean, you're sitting here and you, you see this, you see the original point was like, okay, perfect. For you and I, Jocelyn, it allows us to look at the the current slate of games and decide. I am content playing Halo Infinite on my Xbox One or my PC. Or PC, yeah, yeah, and wait for the next game for Xbox Series X because, like, again, with this confusion, I'm actually kind of happy that Fable is confirmed for Xbox Series X and PC only because that means, without a doubt, they are going to be able to focus on making a true next generation Fable game because when you I believe like when you uh, try to target so many varying degrees of hardware, you do run into issues. And yes, the yeah, Xbox the product One is, is going to suffer. Yeah. Exactly. Like even when you look at PC, like when they make PC games, like those games only run on a cer- certain slate of hardware and they look like, but if you go too far down, like if you go to a seven year old system and try to run a brand new PC game, it's either not going to run or it's you're going gonna to have really bad. a bad time. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think not to what... mention, and I think, I think you had said this in mm. discord is that, you know, the original promise, like speaking about trying to get gamer goodwill on your side, the original promise at the time got them so much goodwill because yes. it seemed so above and so beyond, you know, like supporting two consoles for even a year seems like a huge deal right the fact that you know you're committing to everything in your first year of series x also being playable on your previous generation that's a big big thing so the fact that they were saying two years like that is an insane amount of time to be supporting two systems like that especially when the series x seems to be such a huge leap in performance that committing to a two-year overlap seemed like a ridiculously large window. And yeah, it got them a lot of clout. It got them a lot of good press because it was such a huge promise. And so to see them, you know, backing away from that potentially is is very much like, I don't know, expected, I guess, because I'm just like, yeah, like that was a ridiculous thing to promise. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was, it was Why would you ever say that? <laughs> I- and it's like, and it wasn't just once, it was multiple times heading into that press conference. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, but not that one. Oh yeah, not that one either. Oh, not that one. It's like, well, are all of those three years out or what's going on? And it turns out, no, they just maybe fudge the dates a little. <laughs> yeah. I think at at the end of the day, Microsoft needs to address these concerns head on and, and look at the, you know, the differences between the two statements. Like you can't, you can't say one thing and then have a showcase and show games. And and again, like the, I think the article and I'll link to it. Uh, I think the article was put in discord. I don't know by who, but um, it really, really much, it very much laid out the, the, when stuff was said, where it was said and what it was, what was said. And it really lined mm-hmm. up like, you know, uh, the time Microsoft does not look good. <laughs> yeah, And the options yeah. basically of being like, well, the, the cases are six of the nine first party games they unveiled at this, at the showcase are coming, you know, after two years, which means you have a completely blank 2021 state slate. Right. Yeah. And which is probably not the case. No, it, to be it, completely honest. Like, I mean, if you're like, it's a really odd showcase for you to go like, okay, here's everything for 2020. Mm hmm. 
And then here's everything for 2022 and beyond, but we're just not doing anything next year in the first year of a brand new system. Like that's obviously there's some stuff missing and it's like, why wouldn't you showcase that stuff and just even like full stop it there or, you know, like tease with some logos or something at the end of your, of your things that aren't going to be covered in your Xbox one, Xbox series X crossover years and and do like a, a couple weeks later or something, do another presentation and be like, here's all of our like crazy beyond. This is the Series X. This is what it's going to be. You know, like just either make it two halves of a presentation or, you know, but like make that split very obvious mm-hmm. so that there isn't this crazy kind of confusion because they must have things to showcase for 2021. Like they have to, right? Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they can't go from like, launch window holiday 2020 to 2022 with nothing in between (laughs) yeah and and i mean there will be another you know xbox series x event in either the near future i I mean uh sony's rumored to have one in august uh xbox usually has their big event i think in september they have x09 it could be late august there's gamescom coming up there's still plenty Mm -hmm. of opportunities pre-orders haven't started yet so there's an opportunity to correct this this very clear error because when it comes right down to it, it's when do pre-orders go live, and that's 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 the time frame where everyone has that time to make that decision of what they're going to buy, you know, come November if if at all, and I think that's where you still have time to correct this, and I think Microsoft uh, and Xbox are capable of addressing these concerns in a way that maybe eases, you know, um, some folks' concerns and. Uh, I think they'll come they'll come around to it. It's only been three or four days since it happened, but each day they go without kind of addressing it without just the marketing guy. I, I think it's Aaron Greenberg. Yeah, there's or like yeah, the the one comment from the market from the marketing guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because I think he's he's put in a position where he probably doesn't have the information or the clearance uh, to share the information that would address this. Right. I think what he said makes perfect sense to me as as someone who's worked on projects like this, where it's like, right now we're targeting a specific platform and that is our console. And we, as we have committed to within the next two years, like we will look at PC and we will look at Xbox One for the Xbox One being for the next two years. So again, like Xbox One's probably on the table for all those games we saw, but it's just not something they've gotten to it's yet. It's not because... necessarily the priority, or yeah, exactly. Like Halo Infinite was confirmed for all these consoles because they know it's launching in in uh, now. They confirmed it a year ago, but at that point, the Xbox One was still very much a a thing, right? So I think Halo Infinite is a is very much a game that feels like a a, a bridge game between the two console generations. Right. We've seen that before, uh, and those games do. You know they do okay. They they suffer in terms of targeting multiple platforms, but outside of that game, we really don't know all, what all these other products look like. I mean, a, mm-hmm. an open world RPG from Obsidian that's brand new, uh, you know, built from scratch. Like that's going to take years. Most of those games, to yeah. me, <laughs> I assumed late 2022, possibly early 2023. Like none of them looked outside of maybe Forza. Maybe Forza is going to come out and. I mean, that's where you probably run into the issues of like, what does that game look like, <laughs> you know, running on <laughs> Xbox One. But I'm the, these these concerns aren't troubling me because I probably wasn't going to buy an Xbox Series X at launch anyways. And that's that's the core thing is like this problem 
isn't going to change those folks' minds who already weren't buying an Xbox Series X. It's definitely, it sucks. It's a, it's a bad taste in my mouth, but at the end of the day. Yeah, like, I think I think you're right. It's probably a small subsection of the people who are going to buy the Series X anyways that made that decision based on this two-year window. It's just, it's more along the lines of a consumer trust issue, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's oh, the kind of thing where... You know, if you ever do get into a situation where a future Microsoft promise, whatever that promise is, is going to make or break your decision to buy one of their products, whatever that product is, then, you know, maybe this situation is enough to give you pause and go, uh, you know what? I'm not going to pre-order that thing. I'm mm. not going to invest now because... I'm not 100% sure that they're actually going to follow through on this promise. So I think, again, it's just it's more of a, a brand issue, a consumer trust issue. And, you know, we'll have to see how it actually shakes out going forward. But I think really what they need to do is just be transparent about their plans. Yeah. And the sooner they, that they do that, the better. So um, well, let's be transparent about our plans <laughs> and <laughs> nice. uh, talk about what we're playing. And we will have more news um, at the end of the show. But uh, yeah, Ryan, you had a chance, uh, speaking of Xbox, mm -hmm. to try out Carrion on Game Pass, right? Yes. And speaking of Xbox Game Pass, yeah. Uh, and this this goes to show like Microsoft, uh, when they make a when they make a promise, it sometimes takes time to notice that promise, uh, you know, coming to be because with Xbox Game Pass, they've said here are the all of our games are going to launch day and date on xbox game pass and that seemed like a crazy promise at the day and and now we we've had it for multiple years and it's still crazy when it happens but here we are um carrion which is not a microsoft first party game but is it is a third party game that they added to game pass on day one i also love the fact that xbox game pass will occasionally get these these third party indie titles um day and date i think they call them like xbox indie wire or something i don't know I, oh id at xbox or something and uh carrion is a very unique game it's available on xbox game pass as well as xbox game pass for pc it is a reverse horror game where you play as the the uh tentacle monster that is writhing through a scientific laboratory trying to escape and it's uh can, I'm actually yeah. I'm I'm so curious about this game now because uh -huh. I mean I don't love like you guys know I'm not a huge huge fan of just like the the 16 bit 32 bit 8 bit whatever like pixel art type things I think like kindergarten is one of the only games that has ever been that kind of 8 bit style that I've really gravitated towards mm -hmm. it's not my jam uh, so that was kind of off-putting with this game from the get-go. And I was like, eh, no, I'm good. Like, I'll pass. You can talk about it. But <laughs> just, like, the concept... Because I thought it was, it was like, a normal horror game. I thought you were, like, playing the scientist trying to kill the monster. And I was like, meh. But just the idea of, no. like, you being the monster and the scientist being, like, the bad guys, like, trying to murder you. Like, <laughs> that's a fun, cool concept. And... The actual, as much as I don't like the the art style, though, it is chosen by indies quite often just because it's it's just straight up easier when you have a small budget to use like an 8-bit style than it is to do like full character animations and what have you. Um, it looks really cool. I was surprised how cool that like crazy big red tentacle monster thing looked as it was like navigating through, I guess, the labs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is a, uh, it's not like a traditional pixel art. It's kind of, um, it feels like they've, they've crafted a game and then they've, they've painted over it with, with this very pixely brush. Like it's got that, 
uh, you know, when you kind of think of like pixel art and you think like what it looked like in the 8-bit and 16-bit eras, but they've HDified the pixel art. So it's still mm. like a pixel-esque, but it, uh, it's, it's very much, um, I found it looked better than uh, what you would normally attribute to a pixel art game where it's like very much this is pixel art, but, but this felt more 3D-esque uh, version, but still very much in that vein. Um, but yeah, you, you play as a, you play as this monster. You, you don't get a whole lot of backstory outside of you're in this laboratory and, and you're this red goopy looking, you know, monster. And you're kind of, uh, you start off small and, it, you are traverse, you're trying to escape. I'm, I'm guessing you're trying to, I did finish it. So yeah, you're trying to escape and, uh, you start <laughs> off by, <laughs> I was like, Ryan, did you play the whole thing to I completion? Did. Not knowing what your main objective was. I just figured out we're here to eat some people, right? Like, let's just, uh, let's just be honest. We're here to consume. Uh, no. Um, yeah, it starts off very much where you are just trying to stay alive because you are this small little monster and you've got like five sort of chunks of health and you, uh, the traversal is really cool. And I, I was worried from the get go, like, how is this going to control? And it is very floaty, but in a really cool, um, well in a really cool floaty way where you are moving around and you're moving based on your tentacles like grabbing things and pulling you along and it and the traversal really feels solid whereas you could see that totally going south um where it looked really cool yeah the like way in, they designed in the it videos awesome. and so, like it just it looked like you really were a flowing mass of flesh and goo like it, <laughs> it I'm like i don't know how they they got that across but it just it really worked yeah they nailed it i i really think they nailed the way that the monster traverses and just the way the monster will will sort of pull itself along and uh you do control so the, the controls are basically you move around and then there are there's like a roar option which kind of works as echolocation but also will startle uh, the humans in the area and depending on the type of human if it's just like a lab coat guy or a guy with a gun they'll kind of the, the lab coat guy will run away and try to find a hiding spot the guy with the gun will kind of back away and then there are these like soldier types that if you roar they'll come looking for you in that in whatever okay. opening so the you know enemies will react in very different ways but you basically have control over uh, at the beginning you have control over a tentacle so you can grab onto enemies you can very much pull off the classic horror feel where you like kick open a well tentacle open a grate and then pull like pull enemies up into the vents and devour them and and so on and so forth so if you want to get really creative you can really set up some some pretty spectacular uh cheesy 80s horror moments where you are pulling people into vents and you are scaring the shit literally uh well not literally you don't see anything like that but you're scaring people uh and there are bathrooms so you can just assume i guess and uh and and as you're traversing through this world they don't really showcase this right off the bat but you are finding power-ups um you are evolving as you go so you will get new chunks of um biomass they call it and there's essentially <laughs> three of them uh and you you start off as a small little one and then you can get a second upgrade and you're a little bit bigger and then the third one obviously you, you get to be massive um i did experience some control issues once you got to be the you know your final form uh it was kind of hard to tell where the head and the tail was so as you were trying to <laughs> you know the, 
It all kind of looks like one big red blob. <laughs> when you're just, yeah, I was gonna say when you're just a blob of goop. <laughs> then yeah. where where's your head and where's your butt? Who knows? So I did run into some control issues there where I was trying to traverse like narrow um, passage passageways, and I'd, I'd be like, no, I want to control the head. Oh wait, that's not my head. That's my tail, and I'm getting that's caught my butt. around. <laughs> That's my butt. Um, but at that point, you're just so big, it's it's hard to fail. So you just kind of like take your time. And <laughs> um, So anyways, as you're sort of progressing, you're getting these power-ups. And the power-ups are locked to uh, the, the scale of your biomass, right? So there are three scales to your biomass. And there are actual, there are puzzles throughout the game where you're having to uh, deposit your biomass in specific watery, pinky goop areas it's hard to i don't know it's different from regular water i guess it's maybe it's got a specific chemical in it i don't know i don't ask questions i just deposit my biomass and i move on um oh my god look this is you got to play the game all these these are not jokes these are things that i've done in in the past evenings as i played this game so uh (laughs) i'm not making this any better so anyways (laughs) You, uh, uh, so yeah, you keep moving and, and your power-ups are tied to the size of, of your mass. So early on, you get a power-up to, uh, in your smallest mass size, you get a power to shoot webs. And those webs can traverse through narrow areas that you can't normally progress through. So you can like shoot a web through that narrow vent and hit a switch, which opens the door. Yay, you did okay. it. Um, there are other moments where you can, and then as you upgrade your biomass uh, to your second stage, you can then use that same button, that same power button. So it's no longer the web. You're you're actually uh, you're doing like a forceful push. So there will be these grates that you can't pull off, but you have to like push through them. They kind of look like steel girders or whatever. So that's where the strategy comes in. Of okay, this puzzle requires me to be biomass stage one, so I can shoot a web. But then there are enemies all around, so I gotta like traverse through there and maybe there's enough enemies where you could take them all out but you are at your smallest scale so if you do get shot a bunch you are going to die um and that's where i did run into some issues as well where there's no checkpointing it's based on a save system so that if you save and you go do a bunch of progression through some puzzles and some rooms and stuff and then you think i don't need to save on my way back through the save area definitely save whenever you can There's (laughs) there's no punishment there uh, I've died, and then I've had to then go back and redo that whole so puzzle. Can you change your size? Like you can go like small to medium and back to small again, or like once you get bigger, there's no. Or wait, was that the depositing yes. your biomass thing? Okay. <laughs> when you deposit your biomass, you you leave this, and I didn't understand. So the other thing, the game sometimes doesn't explain what you need to do uh, to solve certain puzzles. Is you kind of have to figure it out yourself a little bit. And one of those was. But if the, they give you a puddle of pink goo, yes. then you probably need to leave Good. something behind. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. <laughs> so when you see a pink puddle of goo, you know, I need to drop some biomass. <laughs> this is. Okay. I did not anticipate this, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. These are always my favorite game reviews that we do. <laughs> when you play something that you think is just totally innocuous, innocuous, I don't think it was normal, but. And then like, yeah. <laughs> and then by the time we're done talking about it, we're just in these fits of giggles. Mostly just me because of your ridiculous 
like explanations of stuff. These they're are all words in the video game. Fine. And yeah, they're all words in the game and everything. And I just I'm just losing my shit over here. But yeah, so you 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 can deposit your biomass, which brings you down from a medium scale to a small scale, and then uh, and then you can you can then eat that deposited biomass again, and then become oh. <laughs> bigger. Look, it's totally natural for whatever this creature is to do this. Okay, well, as long as it's normal, it's normal for him her i'm not sure but uh <laughs> it's normal for the blob <laughs> it's normal for the blob and, and and again like you this you've never played anything like this and they capture it so well in a way that they really take this unique idea and 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 deliver on it in so many different ways um that you just you it's a short experience it's about four hours and really the core issue i had with it is that there's no map you you really get that metroid feel where you're getting power-ups and then using those power-ups to progress further and i know there are power-ups that i missed but to then go out and try to find them and get lost in this world could be pretty frustrating and without a map i feel as though and i and i i did that just this i just i just progressed down the critical path as best i could because without a map it's tough you to could go like super old school and just have a piece of paper next to you and just every junction you get mm-hmm. to you're drawing like i went up or down or you there was a could. left option i didn't do and i chose the right path and i feel like just from screenshots you could probably like sketch it out but i i agree like in-game maps it's just this one of those like quality of life things we've kind of grown accustomed to yeah and again like with a map it really just it would have allowed, it would have encouraged me to go back and find i think i missed like six power ups so these optional power ups you can find that that uh in my experience the three i found would just increase the amount of tentacles you can use to grab things and and grab people um so later on in the game it came in very handy when i suddenly went from one arm to three to be able to grab people because you are fighting multiple you know people at a time and they have guns and they work you know when they hit you you lose a chunk of health and you have to get out of there quick especially if there's a large grouping of them and don't even get me started on the flamethrower guys like when you <laughs> when you light on fire you need to get in the water or you die uh, yeah whether it's pink or blue it doesn't matter you just need to get into it um but yeah the lack of a map really was frustrating i got lost a couple times and when I felt I was going in a direction that definitely wasn't leading to the next objective, I, I backtracked and tried again. So without that map, I felt like uh, like Ori in the Blind Forest, like if there wasn't a map mm. in that game, I wouldn't have gone to try to find all the different power ups and yeah. whether the map was left on the whether it was never designed with a map in question or whether they left it on the cutting room floor due to time. It's just it's sorely missing to the point where there is a lot of fun in this game, but I feel like I only experienced maybe 95% in it. It, it. But that's still a good chunk. Like as a four hour experience, you're really going to have a great time with this game. And there's very few frustrating moments as long as you're saving when they present checkpoints. Oh, and you'll love this, Jocelyn. So to save, you find these like um, these little uh, cracks in the wall. They, they look a little, they're very clear. You can see them. They're like these blue sort of crevices and they glow and that's basically you save you de- you you go in there and you spread your you look like what the monster or what you imagine the monster is in stranger things that's spreading all that goop you're just spreading <laughs> goop all over 
and just <gasps> the sounds that they use. I don't know. It's, <laughs> but that's how you save your game. <laughs> that's how you save your game. You just crawl into this little hole and you just shoot red stuff all over. <laughs> shoot your goop. <laughs> shoot goop all over. Just oh man, it's like it's like a you know like that silly string stuff. Oh yep. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like that, that but mixed with stuff. spilling. That's like, totally what I had in my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, this was uh, Karen mm-hmm. from the Xbox Game Pass. So is yeah, I'm assuming it's also available other places um like yep steam and stuff it's on steam it's ps4 and switch as well but like i i would highly recommend i mean it's on game pass so it doesn't feel like i was gonna say say, like if if you didn't have game pass would this be worth the price of admission i don't know how much it is i don't know how much it is uh i think if it were under 20 bucks I could see myself it's, getting it's it. Worth, it. Yeah, for a four-hour experience. Apparently, it is exactly $20 American. Oh, there you go. So, I mean, there I think go. that's that's a that's a solid price. But again, I, I think when it's on Game Pass, you, you have... It's so unique that I think if you were looking at this and saying, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, with Game Pass, it's a, it's a no-brainer. There's so much on there that you can just sub. And if this becomes... If it's a dud for you, then there's so much else there for you to enjoy but i think it'll be good yeah like sea of thieves (laughs) plenty there's there's plenty more on there that's just it's sea of thieves is so my jam right now uh but i did take a break from sea of thieves to play some paper mario and by some i mean almost all um i am now at the point in the game where i have defeated uh five of or the five areas i guess so i'm basically at like end game boss encounter ish and um ryan you've been playing it too so we're gonna do a spoiler free discussion although i will say there's not like the the spoilers i feel like in paper mario aren't necessarily the overall story it's more maybe in like the quippy one-liners because like i found myself laughing so much at this game i just couldn't stop yeah no, it's it's really funny. I uh, as I'm playing it, I'm taking these screenshots and videos, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna post that later. When um, well, I'm I'm playing it with the kids, so they don't like it when I stop playing the game and try to write a tweet <laughs> with <laughs> the Joy Cons or whatever we're playing with at the time. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the writing is superb. I think that was the one thing I was concerned about is I didn't feel like the last Paper Mario game I played, which was Sticker Star, really held up its its end of the writing side of uh, Paper Mario, the Paper Mario we know and love. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised uh, that Paper Mario has excellent writing. I mean, when you do a fax joke and you nail it, I mean, yeah. that's pretty good, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's so good. And I mean, like, there was, because there are many, many, many different collectibles in this game, and there's, like, a museum where everything is displayed and one of my favorite parts has been almost like unlocking all the concept art and stuff. Uh, but one of the collectibles in this game are the toads. So they're all like crumpled up and hidden all over every map. Like sometimes you can be in a room and there's like five toads hidden in one room because they're just they're literally everywhere. There are hundreds of them to find. So one of them, because it was still fairly early on in the game, So I was still just walking around and, you know, I've got a big hammer and that's kind of cool. So I was just randomly whacking stuff and I walked around a corner 
into like nothing and I was literally just like pounding on everything with my hammer and then all of a sudden a toad pops out and goes oh thanks I knew a completionist would find me sometime or something like that and I was like it was like it's like fourth wall breaking but in an absolutely hilarious fashion and I was just like I took a screenshot of that and then I actually gave up on screenshotting stuff because there were just so many funny lines that I was like I just you know like Play it, enjoy it. It has a great sense of humor. What it does not have is a great combat system. (laughs) Those combat rings can just go die in a fire. I hate them so much. The combat, the, the one saving grace to the combat is that there's like no like little hidden grass Pokemon encounters. Like all of the, the dudes that you fight are visible out in the world and you can run away from them and you can kind of give them a wide berth and you can get around them. There's very few like required combat moments, which is the saving grace because I just like, it's not that I can't solve the puzzles. They're just so cumbersome that like, it's like they're cumbersome, but they're not difficult. And they're on these like short little timers So it just, I don't know, the combination of the three is like any time that there is maybe a little bit of a more difficult combination, then um, I've got the the time pressure and then the cumbersome controls because like the rings, no matter which way I move my joystick, Mm -hmm. they just never seem to move the way I think they're going to move, which especially once you get to the point of like disappearing enemies, which happens later in the game, it gets really frustrating because you're like, okay, I have to move like the third ring four spots around counterclockwise or something. And then all of a sudden you spin it like two clockwise. You're just like, Oh my God. Okay. So now wait, Uh, that was four this way. I accidentally went two this way. So I actually have to go six back the other way. And like, it just like, it gets like, it gets really, really frustrating. And I'm just like, I, I personally really liked the way that combat was done in the thousand year door. And it was just like, you had enemies, you were up on a stage, you had to like hit stuff in a row and like choose from different abilities and items and stuff like and that combat was fine. <laughs> like it was very traditional like turn-based and now this is kind of like turn-based combined with like a puzzle solve in just the worst way. <laughs> yeah, I I think I'm still early on so I'm still in world 2. I'm playing with the kids, so we're, we're progressing a little slower. Um, I've gotten to the point where the kids are like, they they want to play the game, and now if I try to move ahead of them, they'll know exactly where we were, and they, yeah. they will give me hell. <laughs> so uh, we're playing And a, it's a like, it's slower. one save per profile, right? So you can't mm-hmm. even like make another like copy of your save game or something and just play on your own and go back to like a kid save. <laughs> no, I, I, and I wish I, I, I would totally do that if I could, uh, but I can't. It, it seems, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is tied to the profile and we haven't, uh, I don't have the kids on the switch yet. Although maybe this is, this is enough reason to, to, to set that up for, for the next game that comes out that they want to play. But uh, you're too far in now <laughs> for paper mario yeah i mean although yeah i don't know we're, we're only world two but i think what uh with, with in terms of combat the rings to me feel like they wanted to do something different but keep the traditional sort of paper mario uh combat which is the the action timing to you know yeah do extra damage and stuff um 
And they do offer shortcuts to skip the ring challenge by throwing coins. But then when I do that, I get yelled at by uh, my daughter. <laughs> she says, that's enough. Like, literally, we're playing and Ashley's on the couch and, and I'm paying these toads. You know, I save them. To help you. And yeah. then I'm paying them. And then they're... And, you and, think they would just help out of their goodness of their toady hearts, right? You think so. <laughs> you think so. But uh, supposedly they need to be encouraged, as they put it. So I'll I'll give coins and Abby will be like, hey, you're not too much, not too much. I'm like, we are swimming in it. Like, we got like 12,000 coins. <laughs> she has no concept of the total. What just you... that there are many gold things flying at these yeah. stupid little toads and she wants to keep them all. <laughs> like, what's your plan with these coins? You're going to retire and... <laughs> Go to... <laughs> yeah that's that's my school that's my college fund dad stop <laughs> yeah you can go to the mushroom King. if i could have gone to the mushroom kingdom for uh well anyways, university <laughs> maybe you could have i didn't hang around with that crowd but uh yeah I, th- I think the combat with the ring system they just they they tried to do something to make it so unique they didn't quite think it's the classic jurassic park gif right of like they they tried to build something yeah. and I'm gonna butcher it so I'm not even gonna continue. But yeah, the I, Ian Malcolm quote. Exactly, <laughs> everyone knows. Doc except you, apparently. Not not the yeah. one where he's breathing without a shirt on. Not that one. The other one. You know what I'm talking about. But that one's great too. It is pretty good, especially what what is it when <laughs> you, you know exactly what I'm gonna when describe. Doctor Grant is like. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I know what you're talking about. Paper Mario. I think that they <laughs> they put this system in and they were thinking like, oh, this will be fun. And, and, and I will say early on, I found the fun there in setting up the rings. But when you do three to four combat scenarios in a row and you're having to do those rings every single time, I, I mean, even if you try to find that fun, eventually it's going to get grueling. And I think that's where the yeah. struggle is between you, you and I. You're, you're much farther. You've done all of these battles. I can't. I can't imagine having played this game since launch. You know what was it? Was it last Friday or was it two Friday? I, no, it was last Friday, right? <laughs> it was last Friday. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So it was last Friday, and I can't imagine having like done all of that in that many days and having and knowing having to go through that ring thing every single time. And sometimes the puzzles are easy. Sometimes the ring thing is oh, you just. I got two moves. I move this guy down and I move this guy to the left and we're good. And it's really quick. But then other times they stump you and you're sitting there and you're like, how do I figure this out (laughs) without failing? And I don't know. I just, I feel like they shouldn't have leaned in on the ring thing so much. If you kept it just for bosses, I think that would have been good. Well, and that's, that's the thing. So like then the boss mechanic kind of works in a similar but different way for the majority of the boss encounters because you're still given those rings, but it's not like the the like three quarter view. It's the it's like a top down view when you're figuring out the rings and you can actually like pay the toads for like a preview of where you're going to end. And that makes the ring mechanic almost just trivial because you're not doing any guesswork. You're not having to like chart your path and then think, OK, but what if I spun this ring and then you spin it and then you're like, okay, and now you chart your path again, like just to double check sort of thing. Like you're not wasting that time because you have like a little, this is where Mario will end up from the toads. And it just like, it's, it's just such a useless and trivial mechanic at that point. So it's like, 
they couldn't give you no timer on the combat because then you'd just get it perfect every time. And then what's the point? Mm -hmm. Like, but the timer at some points is frustrating because it's just a clunky mechanic in general because of the three quarter view and the top down view is slightly better. But again, it just like, it just feels so clunky in so many ways in so many places. And I found like, um, to speak to the combat a little bit more is one thing I really liked about Paper Mario was that there were quite a lot of like the further you get in the game, the more um, different the challenges become. So you have some some boss fights that work in different ways that still potentially like utilize the rings, but not quite the same. You've got, you know, just different sort of encounters you have like different kinds of puzzles to solve and different ways to work your way through the worlds that are all really interesting. But it's like they had so many ideas that every single time you come across it, it's like, okay, I'm in a new boss fight. So it's like tutorial mode all over again. And then, you know, like, oh, now I need to unlock the shrine of whatever. And again, you're back in tutorial mode because this has a different kind of puzzle or whatever. And it just, it felt like, throughout the entire game, all of these different kinds of puzzles and encounters and stuff were interesting, except it felt like I was just always playing in a tutorial. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, but now, you know, move on, combine these things, bring them together. Like it just seemed like a little bit of like a jumble of all these different ideas. And it was like, there were vehicle mechanics, there were you know, like puzzles to solve. There were things to move around. There were bosses with crazy one-shot abilities. There were bosses that required, you know, that would give you three or four options that required one specific one at one specific time. And, you know, like there was a little bit of trial and error, but in the end, it just always felt, especially with um, in the boss fights, they put like little hints on the board that if you can run across them, then you give hints and it's like, make sure you do this thing. And it's basically like, the answer to the boss mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt like you know again there there was like no middle ground between this like tutorial or total failure and it's like i would have liked a little bit more like a little less hand holding alongside a little bit less severe punishment you know because like there were a lot especially as i got later on in the game it seemed like there were quite a few mechanics that were like if you fail this mechanic, you're just going to die. And I'd spent so much time like buying my accessories to get my guard up and, you know, like finding the secrets to increase my health. And then it's like, but if you put one shot mechanics in the game, then all those things that I've been earning and building towards in terms of my gear no longer matter because it doesn't matter if I have 20 health or 200 health. A one shot mechanic is a one shot mechanic. Mm -hmm. So I just overall like the the combat of this game and the kind of like encounters that it threw at you and the puzzles that it threw at you were interesting, but I wish that they'd maybe like cut down the ideas to their best few taught them to me within like world one or two. And then like, cause it was good that it kind of like kept me interested because it was very few times. Was it the same thing over and over again, except for the out in the world kind of combat ring thing. But anytime I was in kind of any important story moment, I was doing something different, which was cool. But then it felt like this perpetual tutorial because it had to teach me this new 
encounter that had come out of nowhere and what I was supposed to do. So I don't know. Like I'm I'm so on the fence between like the variety was awesome, but at the same time, like maybe reuse some stuff so I could come in with some sort of recognition and go, oh, okay, this is what I have to do. But now it's ratcheted up because they added this new layer or something. Um, mm. So I, I I don't know in the end how I feel about Paper Mario. But I do know I couldn't put it down because it was freaking hilarious and it was absolutely gorgeous. Like the mm. like I wasn't a huge fan of kind of like the the ripped paper look of it, but I really loved the environments that they built. And somehow that water is like the best water that's ever been in a Nintendo game ever. And it's in a Paper Mario game. I'm like, you definitely could have done like the traditional like waves cut out of flat paper and that would have been fine because it's Paper Mario. But no, they went for like full on looks like they poured a big puddle of water onto it like realistic sea of thieves level water i was just like why <laughs> like what is going on yeah, <laughs> it was no, so I, weird <laughs> i think for me you're you're absolutely right the writing is alone like if you're interested in the mario franchise the writing alone is worth checking this game out yeah and the visuals that just they be present. aware of what you're gonna have to bear with as you work your way through <laughs> yeah and i mean i can't speak to the combat being so grueling that i i would suggest not to play it because there are so many mechanics that are thrown at you as it like you can you can skip the ring thing by dropping um coins on puzzles that don't immediately showcase the answer um i think that's totally possible uh, oh, it, it is. But then like, so my problem with that is mm -hmm. that like, you're totally trivial, trivializing your entire combat system at that point, right? Because either it's easy enough, that you can figure it out on your own with one or two moves, no big deal, or it's challenging, and I don't have time for it. And I can't be bothered. So I pay the toads. And then it's like, well, then, okay, if it's either so easy that it's trivial, or so hard that I just pay the toads to make it trivial, then why is the system in the game at all? <laughs> sometimes it's fun i mean it's hard to say I, <laughs> is it though <laughs> I, and that's just it is it though i i think sometimes it's i am fun. in the strong no camp <laughs> i I'm, but again i've played all the way through now so exactly. i i don't think i'll have very many combat ring puzzles because i'm pretty sure i'm within striking distance of the final boss so yeah i i think it's just for me, like once you get past that ring puzzle, whether you do it through paying the toads or you you brute force it or you you recognize the situation right away and you you fix it, I'm not saying it doesn't become tedious. But once you get through that and you get to do the traditional Paper Mario combat, it's a lot of fun. I love that you know time based combat. I really dig it. And depending on how many the monsters other thing you leave about on the that, board, though, mm -hmm. is is that I found there wasn't enough of a bonus for me hitting my perfect timed attacks and i don't remember how much of a bonus there was in like thousand year door but it's like if i if i don't push any buttons whatsoever i do like 20 damage and if i'm pretty close i do 21 and if i'm almost perfect i do 22 and if i'm absolutely perfect on timing i do 23 damage which nine times out of ten doesn't actually make the difference between killing the enemy or not like a lot of times i found like the the hammer or the boots that i chose either would kill my enemy in one shot or wouldn't like that extra i guess finesse those bonus points 
weren't a make or break kind of a move. So I ended up just like picking my strongest boots and letting the game jump for me. <laughs> yeah. I think if, and that's the thing, if you're picking your strongest boots and you're doing the puzzle perfectly, uh, doing the puzzle perfectly gives you the 1.5 damage bonus, yeah. which for most enemies, and I, I know this because- Will one-shot uh, them. Yeah, I know this because my kids are, are doing the, the, I line them up and then the kids do the combat and do oftentimes- Do the jumping? <laughs> yeah, they get to do the fun part and having trying to get them to do the lining up is um, <laughs> not fun. For me. I mean, if I had trouble with it, I can only imagine your what two and four year old. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they. Caden uh, wants to try, like, and and he often will, but mostly what he'll do is he'll just move some stuff around, and then he'll fight, and it's just a longer battle because you're not lining them up properly. Part of lining up the enemies with the rings is to progress, or is to set up the attack in a way that you're going to clear in one you know, one move, because if you line them up properly, you have enough actions to take out the enemies before they even have a chance to, to come after you. So mm-hmm. in in the Paper Mario franchise, like that's completely different because it, it used to be turn based. But this they they throw the rules out. They usually get it's like it's all a puzzle. They give you enough moves to take them out in one in one go for normal in one attacks. go. Yeah. But I mean, it's just I don't I don't think I think there's enough good in the combat to to still recommend the game but only because of the visuals only because of the mario you know esque stuff in it and only because the writing is so good and uh the exploration i've really loved collecting everything and finding the toads it's oh just, me too and like finding yeah. all the secrets like finding the collectibles in the chests and stuff mm-hmm. yeah like i basically i've really thoroughly enjoyed everything else in paper mario which maybe i shouldn't have harped on the combat so much but the only reason that i did is because it's just such a big part of the game Mm -hmm. but i did really enjoy like all of the other the exploration the you know the puzzles and just like all the all the extra stuff that you kind of had to figure out i really enjoyed those moments so i think it's it's definitely worth picking up if that's your jam it's not like thousand year door two but that doesn't make it a bad game i think it's a great like standalone type entry into the franchise i love the characters like i think this i think this is a good game and i think it's getting a bad rap because it's not like thousand year door but new Mm -hmm. (laughs) so but i think it's great i did have a really good time in it so I'm interested to see next week what your thoughts are like having progressed through it further and, you know, like having to do more of those combats and, and seeing some of the stuff that they introduced to you. Like, I mean, even the like mini boss encounter that I had before, like the final boss was something like totally completely different than anything else that they had done throughout the entire game to the point that I was like, wait, is this a boss? I think mm-hmm. this is a boss. Like it was, it was really neat. So I'm interested to see um, your thoughts. Like once you get a little bit further into the game. Yeah, we're going to keep going. Um, it, it, you know, we're at the point now where the kids are so invested in it that we're having to use it as a, if you don't start listening, you don't get to play Paper Mario. And I'm sitting there like, I got to kind of play this game for <laughs> but a yeah, show. I got to play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I guess. But you do not want to incur the wrath of Abby. <laughs> no, no. She, uh. <laughs> she comes in and all those coins are gone i'm gonna be in trouble <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where i will keep we'll keep moving with it and i think 
my the pace at which I'm playing uh, is probably uh, the reason the combat isn't quite you know uh, bringing me down. But I do I do sense it because again there are moments where I think today where it's like oh we have to we have to go we have to it's bath time, but it's like I keep running into these enemies to try to progress to the next save point. And it's the same thing, like, uh, set them up, you guys knock them down, set them up, you guys knock them down. And really, there's just not enough variance in the puzzles outside of it being just too difficult to solve. Um, yeah. That I just, I throw away college funds just to get it done, so. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Well, speaking of throwing away college funds, you can head to <laughs> patreon.com slash the gamers in if you like what we do and you'd like to support the show. Uh, we want to say a very big thank you to our July patrons, Will and Parker. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Again, that is at patreon.com slash the gamers in. One more really quick news story before we go tonight. We do want to tell you guys to check out The Witcher Blood Origin, which is a spinoff series that Netflix has now announced. It's a prequel. I'm excited because, I mean, there's not going to be Henry Cavill, which makes me a little bit sad, but he's working on Witcher season two. So I can only get so much Henry Cavill, right? Yeah. I mean, if you watched him build that PC, that should have at least sufficed for oh, a that, couple that weeks. Was, that was a glorious, glorious video. It just made me all kinds of happy. <laughs> I watched that video and I just felt his pain when he realized that he put the cooler <laughs> in upside down. And I'm just like, that is totally a Ryan move where I would do that and then just like loot. Just say, oh my God, I can't believe I got to I'm sweating here, like putting this PC together, hoping I do it right and I don't break it. And then he puts the cooler in upside down. And I think the video is even like, I got to play some games. I didn't do all this just to take it apart again. <laughs> and I totally respect that as a, as a fellow, uh, you know, PC gamer. But uh, the cool, the one thing I saw about this that was interesting is someone made the note that Netflix's answer to Game of Thrones is going to get a prequel before HBO gets around to making a prequel to, to Game of Thrones, which I thought was... <laughs> quite fitting uh yeah yeah this is exciting more witcher i'm down for that they did such a good job with that first season and i know this is tangentially related to video games but as i said in the pre-show when we were discussing this the video games really put this thing on the map there's a reason there's a netflix series and it's it's the video games so that's why we're talking about it but yeah i'm excited more witcher (laughs) sounds great yeah me too uh so if you guys want to share your witcher excitement you can do so by joining our Discord. It's bit.ly slash TGI Discord because you know I'll go nuts for it. If you're going nuts too, come and join the conversation. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>